This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to another episode of the Diabetes Knowledge and to Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. This series is CME accredited and this episode is accredited for up to 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credits. So to claim your credits, go to diabetes.knowledgeandtopractice.com to complete a pre and post activity assessment. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who've had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. Weight loss is an important part of type 2 diabetes management and was a major topic at the recent American Diabetes Association, or ADA, 2022 conference. In this episode, we're exploring the latest approaches to supporting weight loss in people with type 2 diabetes. We've invited Dr. Robert Kushner to discuss these advances with us. Dr. Kushner is Director of the Centre for Lifestyle Medicine and Professor of Medicine and Medicine Education at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago, and also founder of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. You can find Dr. Kushner's disclosures and the references discussed today in the episode notes. Before we get to our discussion, we'll review the most up-to-date information and guidance on lifestyle interventions, metabolic surgery and new pharmaceutical agents. Type 2 diabetes and obesity commonly occur together. In a review by Lingvey and colleagues, it was noted that weight loss in individuals with type 2 diabetes can reverse underlying metabolic abnormalities, thus improving glucose control, and also that weight loss alone can have a disease-modifying effect not yet observed with any known glucose-lowering pharmaceutical agent alone. However, obesity is a multifaceted condition driven by a myriad of factors, including those that are genetic and environmental, such as genes altering glucose metabolism and obesogenic environments, respectively, making weight management a complex issue. Lifestyle interventions are fundamental to managing obesity and type 2 diabetes. A direct trial has shown that complete remission from type 2 diabetes is possible using intensive lifestyle intervention alone. However, only about a third of individuals in this trial managed to sustain their weight loss for two years after the intervention. Compared with previous guidance, the ADA's 2022 standards of care has increased emphasis on weight management, with weight distribution and weight gain pattern and trajectory added to the assessment section. To assist with lifestyle adaptations, behavioural support and routine monitoring of metabolic status is also recommended. For individuals with type 2 diabetes and have a body mass index or BMI over 32.5 who do not achieve durable weight loss and improvements in comorbidities, including hyperglycemia, using non-surgical methods, the ADA 2022 Standards of Care recommends metabolic surgery. Thresholds are dependent on ethnic group, with metabolic surgery recommended for Asian Americans when BMI is above 32.5 and for the rest of the population when BMI is over 35. Gentileschi and colleagues recently reviewed the last 20 years of clinical trials and meta-analyses investigating the effects of metabolic surgery in people with obesity and type 2 diabetes, concluding that bariatric procedures were highly effective in inducing weight loss and remission of type 2 diabetes. Metabolic surgeries remained superior to medical or lifestyle interventions even when performed on individuals with a BMI between 30 and 35. Advances in diabetes care in recent years have given us new and highly effective pharmaceutical agents that can assist with weight management. GLP-1 receptor agonists such as dulaglutide, liraglutide and semaglutide have been shown to significantly reduce body weight, 
as have SGLT2 inhibitors to a lesser extent. More recently, both the FDA and the EMA have licensed injectable semaglutide for the management of obesity. This dose of 2.4 mg once weekly is indicated in individuals with a BMI over 30, as well as in those with a BMI equal to or above 27, given that they also have at least one other weight-related comorbidity, such as type 2 diabetes. This licensing was based on the completion of the Step 1, 2, 3 and 4 Phase 3 clinical trials, all of which demonstrated significant weight reduction with the injectable GLP-1 receptor agonist compared to placebo. Long-term durability of weight loss was assessed in the Step 5 trial, during which participants showed sustained weight loss over a two-year period. An orally administered form of semaglutide has also been licensed for treating type 2 diabetes and has demonstrated significant weight reduction benefits. The OASIS-1 trial is currently underway investigating oral semaglutide for the management of obesity without concurrent type 2 diabetes. This may be a future option for supporting those with obesity, particularly those who do not respond well or who are averse to injections. Another emerging therapy is tazepatide, an injectable GLP-1 GIP dual agonist, which was recently licensed by the FDA to treat type 2 diabetes. Participants with type 2 diabetes treated with tazepatide in the SURPASS trials also demonstrated substantial weight loss when compared to other drugs, including semaglutide. The SURMOUNT program of trials is now investigating tazepatide in people who are overweight with and without diabetes. Results from SURMOUNT 1 were recently presented at ADA 2022 and demonstrated significant reductions in body weight from baseline compared with placebo. The ADA-EASD consensus statement draft presented at the ADA 2022 emphasised that treatment goals need to be prioritised dependent on the current clinical status of the patient. For example, weight goals and treatment efficacy should be considered when choosing glucose-lowering medication. This is also the recommendation in the 2022 ADA Standards of Care when individuals have obesity and type 2 diabetes. The ADA-EASD consensus draft ranked semaglutide and tazepatide as having the highest weight-lowering efficacy, followed by dilaglutide and araglutide with high efficacy, and notes other GLP-1 receptor agonists and SGLT2 inhibitors as having intermediate efficacy. Guidance on DPP-4 inhibitors and metformin reported neutral weight efficacy. However, if the primary target is to achieve glycemic goals, high-dose dilaglutide, semaglutide, tazepatide, insulin, combination oral and combination injectable therapies are listed as higher efficacy drugs. Now to discuss how the latest research is affecting the field of weight management in type 2 diabetes, let's start our interview with Dr. Robert Kushner, who's Professor of Medicine and Medicine Education at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine and Director of the Center for Lifestyle Medicine at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago. So firstly, what's your experience been like prescribing lifestyle interventions for people with obesity and type 2 diabetes? And has the weight loss been durable? Well, first of all, diet is the cornerstone for managing type 2 diabetes with or without medication. There's a lot of targets that we could use for lifestyle that will improve not only the obesity, but also the diabetes itself, including getting folks more active, uh, increasing your exercise capacity, certainly focusing on diet to reduce total calories, sugar-sweetened beverages, ultra-processed foods, and smoking, uh, to name just some of them. 
if you just mentioned uh, exercise more and eat less, you're not going to likely get much benefit. So when it comes to lifestyle, counseling, it, it's not only what you talk about, it's also the intensity. And the more intense lifestyle counseling you provide, that is more frequent contact, using team-based care, uh, using SMART goals, so, uh, the, so it's very specific for the patient, you're likely to be more successful. Overall, not only in the clinics, but in the literature, you can expect to try to achieve a 5% weight loss uh, in individuals who are suffering from obesity, which will have an impact on their diabetes. The challenge, however, is the durability of the weight loss. Most individuals will regain weight over time, and that really speaks to the complexity of obesity that's not just totally under the patient's um, control of what their weight is going to be. Thank you. And there was a lot of discussion at ADA 2022 this year around using weight loss interventions for type 2 diabetes more aggressively. When do you think metabolic surgery should be considered for a person with obesity and type 2 diabetes? It's important to point out that bariatric surgery is the most effective treatment we have for patients suffering from severe obesity, and particularly those that are complicated by diabetes. You know, we have kind of a conflict, and that is that it's often thought of that obese, that bariatric surgery is, is a treatment of last resort. When you failed everything else, that's when you consider bariatric surgery. The irony is, is that the earlier we think about it, the more successful it's going to be such that if we, if we offer and intervene bariatric surgery in individuals who have had a diagnosis, let's say within six years, are not on insulin yet, they have the greatest likelihood of developing full remission of their diabetes, meaning off of all medications with a hemoglobin A1C of less than 6.5%. So my recommendation is to think of bariatric surgery earlier rather than later. The general indications for considering bariatric surgery, in addition to the diabetes and the duration of diabetes, is an individual who has a body mass index, which is a measurement of, of obesity that's used internationally, roughly above 40 or above 35 uh, with a comorbidity like diabetes. Now, lastly, there has been um, recommendations in the literature, although not really adopted internationally, to consider bariatric surgery even earlier, and that is a BMI as low as 30 in the United States and elsewhere that, that really has not taken off yet, in part because of coverage. And similarly, at what point would you consider introducing pharmacotherapy to assist with weight management for your patients with type 2 diabetes? Uh, Similar to bariatric surgery, I'd say the earlier the better. Yeah, I think we all suffer from what's called clinical inertia, and that is this slowness of becoming more aggressive or more intense in our treatment. We tend to just work with our patients and, and to slowly, slowly advance our care, always giving patients the benefit of the doubt and listening to their stories. And, and certainly we need to listen to our patients and, and make sure our care is patient-centered. But we as medical providers need to be more aggressive, particularly when it's gonna be effective. We, we know, as I've said earlier, that lifestyle management is the cornerstone of treatment for not only diabetes, but also for obesity. But since both of them are chronic relapsing disease, we often need to think about more aggressive treatments, which are biologic treatments, and that is pharmacologic treatments, and think about them uh, much, much earlier. So in my own practice, 
once I've engaged with the patient uh, and they understand the role they have in, in leading healthier lives, eating healthier, being more physically active, um, using strategies to be more successful, like tracking your diet, measuring your weight or measuring your blood sugar, uh, having their family uh, supportive of them. Once they're involved and engaged in the process, if they are not being as healthy or as successful as they would like to be, or I would like them to be, I will then initiate medication um, and have that discussion much, much earlier. Recently, subcutaneous semaglutide was approved for weight management in overweight people with type 2 diabetes at a higher weekly dose than is indicated for type 2 diabetes alone. What do you think the potential impact of oral semaglutide might be on patients being able to reach their target body weight if it receives a similar approval for obesity alone? I, I welcome as many medications as possible, whether they are oral or by self-administration by injection. Semaglutide was coined a game changer when it came out last year. And, and the reason it was uh, titled that uh, is because the weight loss achieved, at least in patients without diabetes, was one and a half two to two times greater than uh, current medications on the market. Individuals with diabetes did not lose as much weight, and that's, that's typical of, of all the trials uh, when you compare patients with or without diabetes. The availability of an oral semaglutide would be a welcomed approach uh, to medicine. Uh, some people have fear of needles and don't wish to do a self-administration uh, once a week. Some of them are unable to do it, whether it's for eyesight or for just skill level, uh, that they don't wish to do that. Uh, if the oral medication uh, turned out to be as effective as the subcutaneous once-weekly administration, um, I think it would be a welcomed addition, uh, and that would be give patients more options uh, to treat their diabetes, uh, which they already have an oral formulation but at a higher dose, uh, also treat the obesity. Thank you. And in your opinion, what are the most promising developments in weight management for people with type 2 diabetes? This is a very, very ex exciting time in the obesity field. Uh, we are now um, having the emergence of what we call second generation agents for the treatment of obesity. And they primarily take the form of intestinal and pancreatic hormone-based medications. Uh, as that they mimic the gut hormones uh, of uh, GLP-1, uh, GIP, amylin, and glucagon. Uh, semaglutide uh, is an example of a monotherapy uh, of a GLP-1 receptor agonist. The recently approved, at least in the United States, um, dual agonist terzepatide, uh, which is a GIP and GLP-1 uh, dual agonist, uh, represents yet another form of this emerging therapy, which it, which it turns out so far to even be more effective than semaglutide uh, for treatment of obesity and equally so as incretin therapy for diabetes. What we're going to be looking for over the coming years is the release of further dual and even triagonists, which combine multiple gut and pancreatic hormones or combination uh, agents.
Uh, the release of these agents also is exciting because it's introducing a new paradigm for how we treat both diabetes and obesity, which the term has been coined, diabetes. I think in current practice, we often treat the patient with diabetes, and then at the end of the visit, we'll say, you know, if you lost a few pounds or kilograms, your diabetes is likely to improve, and it's left there. Instead, the changed paradigm is that we have a patient with two coexisting chronic relapsing diseases, that's diabetes and obesity, uh, and treat both of them, you're likely to be more successful. It's also important to point out that diabetes does not cause obesity. It's the obesity that's a risk factor for the diabetes. And by focusing more attention on obesity, along with the lipotoxicity that occurs, that is fat that's accumulating in the different organs like pancreas, heart, um, liver, and so forth, we're likely to end up with a greater success of treatment and improve the overall health of the patient. What would your take home message be for other healthcare professionals working with people with obesity and type 2 diabetes? Well, I think I want to emphasize once again what I, what I just mentioned, and that is thinking of the patient who comes in with type 2 diabetes and obesity as having two coincident diseases, both of which merit uh, increased attention. You know, if you take a look at individuals with type 2 diabetes, it turns out that about 60 to 80% of them have coexisting obesity. And if you add overweight to that, nearly all of the patients you're going to see suffer from either being overweight or having obesity. So it's not difficult to parse these individuals out. They're all one and the same. And the more we pay attention to both diseases and use a team approach, and that is involving a diabetes specialist, a registered dietitian, uh, a specialist um, who focuses in on lifestyle and bringing in the community, these individuals are likely to be more successful in managing both of these conditions. And finally, what about the next generation of physicians? Does this need to be addressed in their education too? Yeah, I think it's absolutely uh, necessary that we train our future physicians, uh, again, not just on diabetes, but this whole field of obesity, which has been really insufficiently covered. Uh, it is absolutely necessary that doctors in the future uh, I have a confidence uh, and competence uh, in treating patients uh, for uh, overweight, not only a lifestyle management, how to help them take better care of themselves, but also how to use pharmacotherapy, which is emerging, uh, as well as have an understanding of bariatric surgery. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast on your favourite app or recommend us to your colleagues. We also have a Diabetes Knowledge and Practice website where you can find other episodes of the podcast as well as free educational diabetes resources. You can find a link to this in the episode notes, as well as the references discussed today. Thanks for listening and see you next time.